A racial category for Middle Eastern and North African people? Should we add it to the census? Well, it's not like a lot of those people get treated like they're white or feel like they are. It almost made it for 2020 until the Trump administration rejected it. I mean, I can't believe that didn't make it and the citizenship question did. I know, especially because in 2015, when the Bureau tested potential new categories, including MENA, it found that people of Middle Eastern or North African descent would check off the MENA box when it was available. Uh, I'm not so sure. It mixes together a huge group of people with so many skin tones, who speak so many languages, and are from so many places. Yeah, but don't most so-called racial categories do that anyway? I'm just scared the government will use the information to spy on people and call it national security and say that they are protecting citizens from terrorists. It's not like we haven't seen that before, like when the government used census data to locate Japanese Americans during World War II. You are now tuned in to the Unwind the Line podcast from Red Feather Studios. host, Ali Pham, and I'm here with my amazing, amazing co-host, Aviv Rao, Hiya. and Justin Campos. Hey, everyone. And we got two special guest co-hosts on today. Hey. hey. Um, I'm Abdurrahman Abdurrahman, or you can call me Yubi. I prefer Yubi. Let's just call me Yubi. Um, <laughs> um, I am one of two co-hosts of the It's Not That Serious podcast based out of Boston. Uh, we pretty much discuss social topics, current events in the media, sports, and the whole thing is literally not that serious while we discuss it. <laughs> it's uh, more so us having a good time. Um, it's pretty much the conversations we have off the air, and you know we decided to pretty much put them into a podcast just because we think people would enjoy that. Um, big shout out to my co-host, Maz. I love you so much, bro. Um, shout out, Adam. Shout out, Sammy. Shout out, Omar. Uh, shout out, Team Bentley. So, love you guys. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. And uh, I'm Ahmed, Ahmed Badr. Uh, I'm a writer, social entrepreneur, and, uh, and former refugee from Iraq. And uh, I'm the host of Away Home Together podcast, which focuses on the stories of young migrants and refugees across the U.S., which is produced in partnership um, with Davies Content and the U.N. Migration Agency. Uh, I'm no longer involved with the podcast as much as I was before, but I'm still working on several storytelling projects to kind of get the voices of refugee youth out there on their own terms. Yeah. So check out their podcast. Definitely. Yeah. Please. Yeah. <laughs> cooler than They're so good. They're so no. good. Um, all right. So we're going to outline a little today's episode for you and tell you who's coming on. It's going to be an awesome episode, yeah. I'm thinking. Oh, yeah. um, so we're basically today we're looking at the proposed racial category for the 2020 census of a Middle Eastern North African and it had a ton of support. We'll get into that, mm. but it was ultimately rejected basically by the Trump administration. Um, Not surprised. Yeah, nope. who's surprised? <laughs> no one. Um, so we got these great guest co-hosts and we've got Hassan Jabber who works for Access and also the U.S. Census Bureau. So he's mm. going to be our first interview and I did that with him over the summer. We had a great early morning. It wasn't that early. It was early for the summer. Early morning <laughs> interview. And then we have our friend Daffer and Melissa. And we're in um, the Middle Eastern Student Union. Yep. And 
Doffer just does so much for that. Oh my goodness, he is really, I think, the glue that uh, keeps it all together. He's an yeah. amazing comedian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get to hear some he's of his stuff later. I met him for the first time yesterday, and he's mm-hmm. just hilarious. So yeah. easy to click with. Oh, Great guy. So yeah. sweet. It's amazing yeah. human being. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then Melisa is gonna do a short monologue at the end. So uh, we wanted to start off, kind of have a little discussion. Um, and I guess talk a little bit about the current race categories on the census. So we've got American Indian or Alaska Native, Asian, Black or African American, Native Hawaiian or other Pacific Islander and white. And then there's this like kind of slightly lower on the census, like ethnicity category, which is Hispanic or Latino, and then not Hispanic or Latino. Mm-hmm. That's what we're looking at right now. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, what did you guys think of it all together? Like, with Mina, essentially. Like, does that affect the people of Iraq? Because I'm not... Sh- does Iraq... Does that count as a Middle Eastern country? Yes. yes okay. Yes. Yeah. Because when I was looking at it, mm-hmm. my family being originally from Sudan, mm-hmm. I was looking at it, and Sudan was sometimes part of it. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, right. I'm not too sure what that means. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I speak Arabic, but, mm-hmm. you know, looking at me, you would absolutely never guess that. And, you know, me and mm-hmm. um, Daffer yesterday we were talking about it. He was like, has anybody ever, like, tried talking shit about you in Arabic and not realizing? I'm like, oh, buddy, <laughs> you don't even know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like yeah. a very common occurrence. So um, I, I don't know necessarily if Mina would be affecting me personally because mm-hmm. I, I've never had a problem with it. I've always just checked off black slash African. Mm-hmm. And I've never, I've never considered myself Arab. Yeah. Ever. So, um, mm-hmm. that's where like I'm sort of torn because racially, Sudanese is Sudan actually is very interesting because it is considered Afro Arab. Right. Mm-hmm. right. So yeah. I can right. sort of, yeah. I can sort yeah. of, I'm sort of both, I guess. But yeah. I've never really cared for the Arab side, I should say. Mm-hmm. You know, aside from the language. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm interested to know like how it affects you per se. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Um, Honestly, over the last couple of years, when and it hasn't really, effect, it's not something I think about. And then mm-hmm. remember filling out the Common App to apply to school. Uh, Middle Eastern is a subcategory of yeah. white, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I remember being so excited to even see that on there because yeah. usually yeah. it's just like white and we're done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And but now, kind of hearing what uh, Jabber had to say, and and I mean, I didn't realize how long this fight has yeah. been going yeah. on. I think I was talking to my dad about it, um, and he's from Cairo, and he was saying, like, it would have been so helpful for him when he was starting his own business mm. to have the support that the government gives to minority mm. entrepreneurs, right. and he didn't get that because Middle Eastern has always fallen into the category of white. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and scholarships, too. Yeah. Remember when we, like, applied scholarships, and there's, like, mm-hmm. the Gates Foundation scholarship. Mm-hmm. Right. And you'd look for your category, and yeah. you can't because uh-huh. yeah. you're white. We're white on paper, but we don't get any of the privileges. Yeah, that's of what the that episode means, right? title. Yeah. Like the author always makes is a it, joke: yeah. like, <laughs> "What privilege you can't cash in?" Right. And I think it really is true, especially given the political climate now. Yeah. How are your parents? I just talked a little bit about my my dad. Um. So again, like my dad. Um, his his story is super interesting because he went to school in Cairo. Um, University of Cairo but at the time his family was living in Kuwait during mm-hmm. then you know we all know what happened in Kuwait the whole Iraq um, mm-hmm. invasion or whatever happened yeah, sorry about that huh? I mean <laughs> I'm cool man yeah. I'm here <laughs> um, and that pretty much forced my family to 
immigrate or emigrate, I guess, in this case, back to Sudan. So Mm -hmm. they were pretty poor. My dad, thankfully, came out of Cairo, you know, a practicing doctor, which was super helpful Mm -hmm. financially for my Mm -hmm. family. And then he ended up coming to America with my oldest sister and my mom. He's never had to face that problem. And he himself, he's a darker complexion than me. So Mm -hmm. he's never, he's also never had that issue of being Arab or whatever. Mm -hmm. He is noticeably a Mm -hmm. black man. Yeah, you know, yeah. just as I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've never really had the conversation with him just because I never thought there was really a need. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, he's mm-hmm. somebody who's very proud of his blackness, of his mm-hmm. African heritage. He always used to tell me growing up, you know, we are royalty. Like, I, I promise you, like, he, sh- he this man is incredible when it comes mm-hmm. to lineage. Funny enough, we actually ended up doing, like, like what was it, like 23 and Me or uh-huh. something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And I've always been into, like, genealogy or whatever. Mm-hmm. And our roots is like 30-something percent Senegalese, West mm-hmm. African. Those are like, mm-hmm. you know, the super, super dark Africans, <laughs> which is like darker than me. But like another 50-something percent was mixed Arab. So mm-hmm. when I learned that, I was a bit more conflicted. Yeah. So the last year, yeah. I've, I've always told people, I don't call me Arab. I'm black. I'm an African guy. Don't, mm-hmm. you know, don't mix the two. Mm-hmm. Um, I still continue to do that, but mm-hmm. part of me feels like it's sort of a lie. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. What yeah. do you guys think? Like, I've never, I've never considered myself this, but you know, genetically speaking, I am. Yeah. So, like, how does that fall yeah, into the I whole mean of thing? We've been having like a related conversation in um, my course intro to Latinx art and literature about mm-hmm. like how much of race we just define by colorism and like mm-hmm. skin tone, but how much of it is also like cultural and mm-hmm. like related to language mm-hmm. and even like how what features we associate yeah. with like certain body types and I, yeah yeah i think it's like also like for me but like my mom's white and my dad's from mm-hmm. egypt. egypt like i think i like i always tell you you look very egyptian yeah. i do yeah, but i don't yeah. really look white so people mm. assume mm-hmm. that i'm not mm-hmm. and it's like i don't know i just feel like really always mm-hmm. have felt really conflicted about how the way I look like maybe conflicts with like like I don't speak Arabic like I speak mm-hmm. Spanish <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I don't I mm-hmm. and then when you think about parents um my parents moved to the U.S. in 2008 we were resettled and they were civil engineers in Baghdad for 25 years mm-hmm. and the first few years in the U.S. and up until this point has mm-hmm. just been about finding a way to sustain our family. Mm-hmm. And there was no room to talk about mm-hmm. yeah. these kinds of conversations, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, you know, not not to say that they're not important, but I think sometimes it's not the right time or yeah. it's not the right context yeah. where you'd be like, hey, mom, like on paper, mm-hmm. we're not. Yeah. Like, this is like, hey, like, sure, but we have other stuff we need to mm-hmm. worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is another really important thing to consider in terms of like, who gets to have these conversations. Yeah, definitely. And, and, but also, with that being said, still very proud. Um, and, and, you know, we always get, I don't know about you guys, but the warnings, like, you can't be too American, you know. But I think, again, beyond just that, at least to my parents, that duality is what makes, you can't just be one or the other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good word and, to and use, duality. duality. Yeah, totally. I see that, like, you every know? day in my life, you yeah. know. UB versus Abdurrahman. Right, <laughs> right. That my, my American friends, I'm UB to like yeah. my more cultured, and I'm doing air quotes here, I'm Abdurrahman. So right. mm. I understand that duality. And like 
with that there becomes like two different personas mm-hmm. like when i'm right. with my american friends i'll have my hoop earrings in yeah. when i'm with like my you know arab muslim friends you know mm-hmm. i take them out or whatever mm-hmm. and that's just you know i hate that you know i don't yeah. like being two different people you right. know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah. code switching i think yeah. Yeah. Riz ahmed calls it code, code switching, switching. Yeah. yeah that's good yeah. i like and, that because yeah. mm-hmm. um, you just have to figure out how to be in different spaces mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. as different people but yeah. sometimes you have to be both yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and that's when you're like wait how this work mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah but yeah yeah so you're from Iraq but yeah. are you Kurdish no or no okay no, I'm from Iraq I'm okay. Baghdad Baghdad yeah, yeah, okay yeah, yeah. yeah. what's uh, the difference because Kurdish isn't Arab correct no no okay. I mean it's a different language it's a it's just an autonomous region within Iraq mm-hmm. okay. Um, okay but there are Kurds in Turkey and yeah. Syria and, yeah um, kind of all over the place yeah that's mm-hmm. why I asked because yeah, you said yeah. you emigrated from Iraq to Syria exactly yeah Something actually going off of that note that I think about is what a lot of our understanding, I think, currently of Middle Eastern culture is with respect to a lot of different minority groups like Kurds and Coptics. And there's like so many groups that make that up. And I wonder about what a kind of all-encompassing race ethnicity category would do to both collapse those and or differentiate Mm, them more. And like what the role of if people who are considered ethnic minorities in our current understanding of the Middle East would, I don't know, find mm-hmm. issue with having this category or would find that it is empowering. Like, I'm very curious yeah. about how that would play out. I think it starts with just acknowledging that this whole subset of people exists mm-hmm. as distinct. Exactly. You know, and exactly. then you yeah. can have the conversation yeah. of I like... I agree. There's, li- like, the, yeah. there's steps to it. Yeah. You yeah. Can tackle yeah. the whole thing at once. Yeah. I agree exactly. with that. One other parallel that I wanted mm-hmm. to make us is I'm seeing so many like connections to the push several decades ago for a category of Hispanic and Latinx. It's like mm-hmm. another category that brings together mm-hmm. people who are like quite different, who yeah. have such mixed race ancestries. And there's also this kind of historical commonality where both groups like worked so hard to be white in mm-hmm. a, and like mm-hmm. be able to check the white box for so long. I think too, like considering how much of this was sort of mapped onto people versus people mapping onto themselves. Right. Yes. Like whiteness and blackness in the US are very mapped onto everyone yeah. here. Right. And all the more so if you like, you know, come here as an immigrant of some sort, you're instantly brought into the fold of like anti-blackness and white supremacy as being kind of fundamental to American racial mm-hmm. ideologies. Right. So I don't really know where I'm going with this, but I guess how much of this is mapped onto people and how much of it has been like a white supremacist way of understanding these groups that mm-hmm. people have, you know, also played into for survival or for material yeah. benefit. Yeah. But No, like going off of that, I think a lot of the ways um, Latinx people identify and kind of mm-hmm. like see ethnicity is like definitely a remnant of colonialism. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. like a lot of it is mapped around that and it's opposed to whiteness, indigeneity yeah. opposed to whiteness. Mm-hmm. That's how uh, like race and ethnicity relations really function in a lot of these countries yeah. and that also mm-hmm. translates when they immigrate to mm-hmm. places like the United States yeah. as well. Yeah. I think it's impossible to talk about the black and white kind of divide in the U.S. without talking mm. about the, our own kind of racism within these mm. communities, especially yeah. Yeah. towards yeah. Afro-Arab. Um, oh man, I have a point. Just <laughs> <laughs> so interestingly enough, yeah. um, you know, the few times this occurred to me, I've been in mosques out of all mm. places. Ah, yeah, which, yeah, you, know, yeah. you go to a mosque ex- expecting it to be like a safe place. Mm. Right. Yeah, um, so the the few experiences that I've had that have been like, what the fuck, are mm-hmm. like, um, 
it was inside the cafe. They have like this cafe there, and I like I think I cut somebody, so it's it, it's kind of <laughs> fucked up on my part, I guess. In line. In line. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I, I must have been like I must have been like seventeen or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Like, I don't care for authority, so. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and the guy called me Zinji. I don't mm. know if you ever heard that term. Um, I've never. It's like. A racial slur used mm-hmm. to you know towards like black yeah. people and like muslim er- and, Af- mm-hmm. and another time was um right above the mosque there's like a basketball court where like all the you know the kids would go to or whatever mm-hmm. and this one kid kept on referring to me as al afrihi which just means the african mm-hmm. which you know th- that in itself there's nothing wrong with it but just the intent of mm-hmm. you know his mm-hmm. words was yeah. obviously trying to hurt me right um yeah. so Today, like, I can say me and him are, like, pretty cool, and, like, he's woke now, so he's good. <laughs> yeah, he was asleep, but he's woke. <laughs> How do you think that discrimination compares to, like, where you're just seen as, I guess, so black, I, not... Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, the duality, going back right. to that. So that's an interesting thing, because... Mm-hmm. When it comes to like the people of that community, I feel like most mm-hmm. of it is just verbal, mm. as opposed to when you look at it as you be, as opposed to other men out in the streets of Boston, mm-hmm. a lot of the racism mm-hmm. is more systematic. Mm-hmm. As you see, I know, like yeah. they just did a poll of like the most racist cities in mm-hmm. America, yeah. 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 and you know Boston was right there oh, at yeah. the top, I think. Yeah. And even when I'm applying to jobs, there's no way for them to know that I'm necessarily black, which is, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, honestly. Mm-hmm. With, mm-hmm. So, um, but. I definitely have noticed it in terms of like the way I've been treated at like a store or something Mm -hmm. like that. It's definitely very covert as opposed to like the attack, I should say, quote unquote, air quotes again, Mm -hmm. um, of like me in a mosque is more like overt and intentional, you know. Mm -hmm. What about you? What's your experience has been like just dealing with like Americans in this country? Um, People are usually confused as to what ethnicity I'm part of. I can, you know, I, I... yeah. I spent a lot of, of my last like five, six years in Texas. Yeah. So I, I'm usually just bunched into just like, I'm like, oh, he's Hispanic probably. Yeah. Or, yeah. or if I'm in the East Coast, I'm like Italian or Puerto Rican. Yeah. So yeah. it, it yeah. just depends yeah. on, mm-hmm. um, it, it's the name, right? Yeah. It's the, some, that, that's where it starts yeah. too, where, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you're Ahmed, and then you're like, okay, nope. Yeah. Those no, other no, 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 things. No, you're yeah. Ahmed. Or Ahmed, yeah. right, right, sorry. <laughs> and, and Ahmed, sorry, yeah. I get so many different names. <laughs> um, the weirdest one I've gotten, so my name is spelled A-B-D-E-L-R-A-H-M-A-N. Uh-huh. Notice yeah. there's no K there. <laughs> <laughs> the weirdest one I've no, gotten is Abdul Rahman. Abdul Rahman. Or Ahmed, man. Jeff Ahmed. Dunham, bro. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that uh, ruined your name. That's my little brother's name, actually. Yeah. 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 Um, All right. I think it's time. I think we got to yeah. move along and introduce in. jo- Hassan Jabber. Um, nice. He'll be right on. He's going to... Yeah. I mean, there's no reason for us to give a ton of background about him. Mm-hmm. He's going to do that himself. So, yeah. Here we go. Flowing right into that. Yeah. I was born and raised in, in Lebanon. Came to this country in 1978, went to school in Detroit, majored in economics and public administration. Been in Detroit since coming to the U.S. So you are the executive director and chief executive officer of ACCESS. And I was wondering if you could talk briefly about how you helped grow that organization and then the type of work that ACCESS does. So ACCESS started as a community-based 
organization, mainly serving at that time immigrants. Uh, we covered the whole gamut of social services, economic services, and health services. So, and we see almost 70,000 people on a yearly basis. Wow. Uh, we're very proud of the fact that we are an Arab American human service organization and being able to expand the mission to serve everyone mm -hmm. in need. In addition to the local program, we established three national institutions. One is a very unique, only one in the world, Arab American National Museum, documenting the history of immigration of Arab American. And the second national project, a Center for Arab American Philanthropy, we wanted, and lastly, we felt the need to support Arab American community-based organization to grow their capacity mm -hmm. to serve their communities. And so we started with six organizations. Um, we now up to 27 organizations in 11 states, yeah. mainly focusing on building capacity of community-based organizations mm -hmm. and also focusing on advocacy around civil rights, um, immigration, we needed to respond to this ongoing and growing hate campaign okay. against immigrants and against Arab Americans and, and Muslim Americans and other minority groups. So we established a national campaign called Take on Hate. We're making sure that the community is engaged in documenting and in responding to okay. hate campaigns. So uh, that's in a nutshell. <laughs> a large nutshell, for sure. <laughs> so in addition to working at Access, um, you also have board membership on the U.S. Census. And I've been reading a lot of articles recently that have quoted you about the proposed and unfortunately rejected category of MENA on the 2020 Census. One of the quotes that kind of stuck out to me was you said we can actually start to know the needs the challenges and the makeup of the community and we can also start to address any issues of inequity when it comes to health when it comes to employment when it comes to small businesses in that quote i really saw like a lot of kind of practical aspects and like ways that we can help address issues and so i wanted to hear you kind of expand on the importance of of these implications Maybe to simplify this, uh, majority of Arab Americans were included under the white population. Mm -hmm. It's really being white without the white privilege. Yeah. We don't have detailed data on Arab Americans because these data are buried in the white population. Mm -hmm. And we've been growing as a community. 80% of Arab Americans are living in 10 metropolitan areas. So we've seen with immigration a significant growth of Arab Americans. But we, we don't have the data. We don't know what their health needs are. We don't know what their education needs are. We can't even track civil rights violations uh, because we don't have the data, because they are included at their white population and they're not 
included in protection. So that by itself, knowing that the needs are there, mm -hmm, but the resources right. are not there for them, that made this a very pressing issue for me and for my organization. And we in Detroit for the past maybe 15 years, we were seeing the number of refugees uh, growing by almost between 3,000 to 4,000 new refugees from Iraq, Syria, Yemen on a yearly basis for the past 15 years. Wow. These are people with very intense and serious needs yeah. that are not being addressed. So that's one thing. The other thing is that we as a country are changing. Our identity is much more complex. Mm, yeah, I agree. You just kind of touched on this a little bit, but a lot of Arab Americans face racial discrimination, but then are officially white. And so I was wondering how this category would begin to help address that disparity. It would have been a major step forward because at least we can now have data track what we know it's happened in terms of biases. And then something else I was wondering about is what exactly is the process for getting this new category added on the census? Like I was kind of following it in the news and it looked, the campaign looked really strong last May when the Census Bureau had kind of adopted the recommendation. But I was reading another article kind of, I think like last week, and um, there was a quote in it that said, efforts fell short because the strategy was fragile all along. And so I was wondering if you kind of agree with that quote and could expand on what that strategy was and maybe what strategies or tactics do you see as a stronger way of moving forward? We really did have a very solid strategy and led to success. Mm -hmm. The decision not to include uh, MENA was a political decision coming from the Trump administration. And this issue, Ali, is an old campaign. started almost 20 years ago. Yeah. And at that time, Helen um, Samhan was a member of Census Advisory. And she made the case and uh, let us to the census leadership, saying we as Arab Americans don't consider ourselves uh, a white population. And we request that the census reconsider classifying uh, Arab American. And when I became a member of the advisory census, that was almost six years ago, we renewed energy behind the campaign. Mm -hmm. And we set up a strategy. One is to continue to make the case that this is a separate uh, category. We requested the census do some testing to verify the claim. So we finally were able to convince the census leadership to put money behind two years of scientific testing. Right. 78% of Arab Americans said wow. that if MENA is available, they'll choose MENA. And then I also made sure that we have a large coalition to support the MENA. I was able to have Latino Americans groups, uh, gay lesbian groups, African American groups, all sorts of minorities in support. So we built a large coalition of national organizations and we also made sure that some of the key centers are behind and in support. Right. And then when the 
federal government put the question uh, on the federal register for comment. I was told that this was by far the largest number of comments on any issues the census put in. Uh, oh, wow. So uh, the strategy was a solid strategy. Yeah. Unfortunately, we ran into the fact that Trump was elected. In fact, the scientific arm of the census recommended strongly uh, that there be a separate category. The, unanimously, the advisory board of all in favor of separate category of MENAM. Uh, even the leadership at the census recommended to uh, the Commerce Department that there will be a separate category and adopted our recommendations. Um, it's purely the fact that, unfortunately, Trump became a president and a decision was made to block this. So. Who exactly makes that decision? Is it him directly? It's a final decision. It's really the administration, but it goes through the Office of Management and Budget. Okay. So my just quick follow-up to this is, what steps can people who are maybe listening to this and they support this category do in the future um, to ensure that it appears on the next census? First, we need to continue the campaign. I think we made the case that this is what the community wants. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Verified by scientific testing, verified by huge campaign, of, uh, and it leads to much more accurate and reflective census, which what the Constitution calls for. Yeah an accurate count of everyone. That's why we worry so much nowadays about this citizenship question. Yeah. I think it's meant to intimidate minorities and Definitely. immigrant groups. I think we, uh, we've done so much. We have made the case. We need to continue to uh, lead this campaign and, and make sure that census lives up to its mandate of accurately counting all okay. communities. Um, so something else I was reading a lot was that was people expressing concern about the addition of this category, that it may put Arab American people at risk of being spied on by the administration or kind of a crackdown on civil rights if their minority identity is revealed? And how do you respond to these concerns? It is a concern, and we need to be sensitive to that. In fact, the census needs to commit itself to confidentiality mm-hmm. and to the law in terms of protecting identity and protecting the integrity of of the census. Um, um, But listen, we live in in a very strange and dangerous times where privacy is a concern in everything we do. So the concern itself when it comes to the census in terms of using the data and illegal way to monitor people is there, but it's also a concern in everything we do on a daily basis. Yeah. So, so I think we need to also be vigilant, demand that census and other government entities um, live up to the law and to protecting people. And to... All right, so my, my last question 
was about the kind of specific name of the category as being Middle Eastern North African. I know some people would prefer the term Arab American or feel like this is kind of like throwing in a lot of different identities into one. Yeah, I prefer Arab Americans, mm-hmm. but make sure that uh, uh, this category is inclusive, mm-hmm. uh, including Arab Americans and, and significant in terms of really making a difference in terms of numbers and in yeah. terms of making the case for... Um, and we needed uh, the political support yeah. of the other groups. So I, I think it was the most viable option right. for us to pursue. I was talking to my dad about this a little bit, and he was saying he prefers the term Middle Eastern because so many Americans have a bad association with the term Arab, and he doesn't like, like, kind of wearing that term. Yeah, it's also the, the issue of identity is is a much more complicated now mm-hmm. uh, than any other time. So, how do we include minority Arab Americans, for yeah. example? So, how do you include Chaldean? How do you include Kurds? Yeah. Or, so you want to make sure that as inclusive as possible so every group can feel that that that's wide enough that i can include myself right that i feel comfortable checking that box and i i really think that the census eventually needs to be about how people want to identify themselves Mm -hmm. not how you want to group them the fastest growing population are people from mixed race marriages or mixed ethnicity. So I I think that these old white Latino, they really are not reflective of who we are as a population. You know, the one thing that I pulled out of that that he was talking about is just like the big data aspect of it. Where if you're not collecting data on these minorities, you're not Mm -hmm. getting to know who these people really are. And today, that is super, Mm -hmm. super dangerous. And what their needs are. Exactly. Like educational, health. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so much you think of like a racial category as like a personal identity. Mm -hmm. And I think this interview really revealed to me that it is so important for supporting these groups. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It made me rethink the way I think about like the role of data and research and data mm-hmm. collection. Um, I've always kind of learned to associate it with like either like making people more porous to surveillance or like mm-hmm. generally putting people's information in the hands of researchers and this yeah. sort of abstractedness. But it was really interesting to hear this different take on it, the sort of liberatory aspects or mm-hmm. at least the like kind of progressive aspects that like data can have and the way that it can play into even material benefits and like helping people to understand their needs and to have communities match those needs. I don't know. I think a big point about what you were talking about Mm -hmm. is data as like legitimacy, like hard facts, hard numbers in order to feel like you have like a legitimate point to say. Like people don't really listen to narratives or people's personal experiences. You need the numbers behind it in order for it to have an impact. Numbers don't lie. Unfortunately, that's how things are Mm -hmm. operating. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think the biggest takeaway was just 
just asking yourself who who is the census for or who, mm-hmm. who is it benefiting yeah what's its purpose why is it such exactly. a political thing mm-hmm. where it really shouldn't be so like my question about it is we're we're discussing like all the benefits of it why would the trump administration turn something like this down what was the downside of it all mm-hmm. what was right. the view of their downside i think that's oh, something that we need to understand yeah. as well i mm-hmm. think what i've understood is that they don't have to give like financial support and aid to mm-hmm. this group as mm-hmm. minority mm-hmm. Um, or as a minority group at all them. if yeah. they just are hiding in the white Which data. Which is like a joke yeah. because like what other yeah. groups are they supporting? Yeah. You know, like where are all these resources they're yeah. like giving so, so yeah. people of color? So ultimately it comes down to a financial thing then if that's the yeah. case. Just divvying up the money or like reallocating money or whatever. And it mm-hmm. just kind of shoves these people under whiteness. Mm-hmm. Yeah also on like a conceptual level i think there like is a lot of pride in identity and then Mm -hmm. if you're like oh well i guess like i'm white even though no one like thinks i'm white or treats me like i'm white then it's just like confusing and your identity is just being shoved under yeah that uh, makes me like blanket that makes me think of noticeably paler women who wear the hijab or something like that Mm -hmm. they are like but how come they're not being treated in the same manner that Mm -hmm. you know a uh, Anglo-Saxon mm-hmm. white woman would be, yeah. for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Goes to yeah. show, I think, just how arbitrary all these exactly. things are. Yeah. Like, yeah. But they become that that arbitrariness. That arbitrary, their their arbitrary nature becomes useful politically when yes. people want it to be. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Where all of a sudden it's very clear. And right. It's like okay, this yeah. is what this is, and this is what this is mm-hmm. not. Really? Oh, another thing I totally forgot is it's so hard for these people to bring civil discrimination court yes, cases. Yes, exactly. Oh, because wow. they right. fall under white. Yeah. Wow. Oh, so it's like how are you so and Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. Like, mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just wow. housing like, discrimination, so, like so many. So, yeah. so difficult for them. By putting them in the white category, the Trump administration gets to just win exactly. all those cases and make it so that so many people don't even mm-hmm. want to bring those cases forward because yeah. it's like... I, I'm exactly. not going to win anyway. And yeah. hate crime statistics too, I think Jabba talked about. Yeah. yeah. It's very difficult to kind of chart those yeah. because mm-hmm. they're not classified yeah. as. Exactly. But also, yeah. when you think about it, does that mean that hate crime statistics go under, like when they go under, like, I guess, this category mm-hmm. of white, does that mean the argument of people that, you know, oh. in terms of the hate yeah. crimes, what does that mean then? How does that work? Well, it's yeah. like, yeah. as soon as it becomes like a terrorist hate crime, it's like not a white hate crime right. anymore, yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm. yeah. Yeah, that goes totally back to your point that like, these things are so arbitrary, but they always find a way to make the narrative useful and cohesive when they need to. Mm. Right. Yeah. Like, you can always have the border of being like, no, like terrorism as like one of those buzzwords that like really differentiates and like suddenly makes you like, totally not white, you know? Like there's always these contours that are built and weaponized. All right, so I think our next guest is here to come in and talk about his stand-up set. We're gonna listen to his stand-up set right now, and then he's gonna be on live with us, and we're gonna debrief a little. Uh, Up next, we have a very very special. Very special segment. Uh, we're gonna have a little bit of stand up from uh, my very good friend. No, but seriously, like kids would be so cruel. Do you guys know? Do you guys remember what happened on May 1st, 2012? 
Our, okay, this is not the best review to remind you, but Osama Bin Laden was killed on that day. Uh, it was a Wednesday, and I remember I was sitting in my living room, and I just like, you know, eating in front of the living room, and all of a sudden breaking news pop up, I'm like, yes, they got him, cool, he's dead. Do you guys know what happened May 2nd, 2012? An Arab went to school? <laughs> People would come up to me and like put their hands on my, on, on my shoulder and just go, I'm sorry about your uncle. Now what they didn't know, and I swear to God, my uncle passed away that same week. So imagine their shock when I said thank you, he was such a nice guy. I've never heard and felt some people's butts clinch so fast. It was just like, it was just like a whoosh, just like a whoosh. And, uh, but that was an intentional. I like messing with people now. Some people are just ignorant, and I just like messing with them on purpose. Uh, and I love doing it at TSA. Um, and uh, one time I was walking. I, maybe some of you guys, when I walked, I were like, Se habla español, se habla español. I don't know. Uh, I'm not Latino. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I know now from my skin that I'm ethnically ambiguous to a lot of people. Um, but it's funny because my skin color, like, I'm brown on this side and white on this side. So, like, possible threat, West Coast resident, like, I don't know. What to do. And so, like, you know, when I go through TSA, typically it looks like this. And sometimes it works, uh, most of the time it doesn't. And it doesn't help that my name is Sophia. When I go through the TSA line, and he's like, What's your name? And I'm like, the fear. And he goes, I'll say. Uh, uh, but my friend was like, just, just do your Arabic name. Just say your full Arabic name. People would like, maybe they'll like say, oh, you know, it's normal. I'm like, oh, maybe not. So I like, I tried it, and I was like, you know, he's like, what's your name? Like, <laughs> and then he goes, so anyway, I like get through TSA, and I finally get to my uh, door, the plane. And I see this older white woman, and I was like looking at her, okay, whatever. And then I get on, I'm sitting there, like in the aisle seat, and this older woman comes up to me, and she's just like, racist. <laughs> I was confused in that moment, I was like, I think you got the roles reversed here now. You're the, I'm the terrorist. <laughs> uh, you can't have, I can't have both. <laughs> uh, you can guess what happened, I was on United. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I handed her a Pepsi. <laughs> I ended racism there. Uh, I have this problem where my mind wanders with places where it shouldn't. Uh, for example, I'll tell you what I hoped for and why it came about. Uh, I wish murders only happened during the day. Bear with me. Uh, I am that person, I don't know if anyone else knows someone like this, but I go throughout my day, it's a normal day. But the following day, I think about what I did between certain hours, and I'm always thinking of I ever need an alibi. Um, so I'm like two to four, I was in class. Four to five, I was doing laundry. Five to six, cold, nine o'clock, I'm lonely. <laughs> no one is with me. So like, I was like, please, if it's got, people are gonna die, let's be honest. Like, people are gonna get murdered, and it's like, just hope it's that, um, at least for me. Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, another thing, like where my mind tends to wander, is um, when, it, like, a couple weeks ago, uh, Middletown um, uh, let in a new refugee family. Uh, so we, yeah. Uh, and the day that they moved in, I was actually there and helped them like stock their pantry and I saw everything. Like, it was it was great to see the kids playing with their new toys, see their new bed. It was an amazing experience. But then my mind thought about the day. And it was April 1st. Now, that's April Fool's Day. I, I, I mean, I didn't mean for this to happen again. My mind just wandered. And I was like, imagine just like the kids coming in and like, you know, seeing them happy. And, and just like having like, I, see again. So it's like, just they're coming in, they're playing with their toys and you're just like, April Fool's. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Oh, am I? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I think your stand-up is great. Thank you. And I loved it. Thanks. Yeah. Super, 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 super good. You do an awesome job, like, showing through humor just how, like, absurd stereotypes are. And I was wondering, like, I wanted to hear about, like, if that's an intentional thing or it's just, like, they're so absurd that, like, it just shows through. Uh, yeah, no. Mm. There was a quote I heard that said, stereotypes are not offensive because they're not true. They're offensive because mm. they're not complete. So like this idea that like, yes, they stem from some truth. And then when you hear it from someone who that stereotype applies to, it becomes like, oh shit, yeah. 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 I don't know if we yeah. could cuss on here, but uh, oh, no. <laughs> I was like, uh, I don't know. I've already, I've already done it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> go off, go off. Uh, hey, ask for forgiveness, uh, not man. permission. Okay, that, that's okay. <laughs> but yeah, so it's intentional, obviously, mm-hmm. especially when we go to Wesleyan and Wesleyan is so for like expressing your identity and accepting yeah. of all this. But then the moment you speak about something that's like, oh shit, like everyone's face changes. And for me, that's, it gives me a lot of pleasure Uh just to see someone like uncomfortable Mm -hmm. because I love comedy that's thought provoking. And like, um, and I have so much material that's for Middle Eastern audiences, but obviously I can't do it here. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, unless it's like 10 people in the crowd, that's it. Yeah, so it's definitely intentional. Yeah, do you think about your audience as you're writing? To a certain extent. I know not everyone will get every single joke mm-hmm. every single yeah. time, and that's something I'm okay with. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't want anyone to walk out of it like, oh, I feel like he attacked me. And to a certain extent, that's the last thing I want. Yeah. So, But in terms of being, quote unquote, politically correct all the time, not really. Mm-hmm. That's so hard to do. I know. Being yeah. woke all the time. Like, that's, like you have Sometimes to sleep at a certain point. I was just saying, I say that all the time. <laughs> can be too woke. It's yeah. the burden I carry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm too woke. Okay. Yeah. I can see that as an SNL sketch. You take it, it's like an SNL sketch. Maybe they have like pills that can like, uh, anti-wokeness. You know, sometimes I'm too woke. <laughs> so I need to take these, yeah. I didn't get to see like the actual footage, but like what's stage presence like in terms of like your audience? Cause I'm, I'm assuming this was like towards the Wesleyan yeah. audience, right? Yeah. Like how was it? Yeah, I actually, I started a club last year called Awkward Silence. So nice. the premise is anyone and everyone, both two two sides of that. You don't have to have done stand-up before, so mm-hmm. we like work on it. Uh, but the other side is for people of color, LGBTQ plus students. Mm-hmm. I want it to be like open and inviting atmosphere. Um, so I think I realized that my material kind of changes a little bit when I perform for a show yeah. there. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then mm-hmm. the show that I performed, the clip that was played was from the Middle Eastern Student Union yeah. Showcase. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So for me, it's like, yes, like obviously the majority of the audience even is not Middle Eastern, mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. there are times where this shared identity of being 
a minority on campus, mm -hmm. kind of like people, I heard people snapping at certain yeah. points, yeah. like they related to it. We put in skits. The premise of the first one that we wrote was, we can't get to the show until we go through TSA. <laughs> and that was the whole premise. And everyone actually in our meetings was sharing their experiences with going yeah. through TSA. Yeah. And then we incorporated that. And one of our uh, members of the group said, she has curly hair. And so she, every single time I go through, they always put their mm -hmm. hands in my hair. Mm -hmm. And they never ask, they just go for it. And she's like, that's, and so we did that. And the thing, you just hear so many people yeah. like clapping, like snapping. And then we got a little political as well. Just, I feel mm -hmm. like if you're Middle Eastern, you can't help but be political. Yeah. Yeah. That's just yeah. the way it is. Um, so just, yeah, a lot of time my friend, my friend asked me, he's like, your jokes are kind of political. I'm like, I am a walking political. Like I'm a Middle Eastern yeah. ma like, man in the U.S. Like mm -hmm. that's yeah. political yeah. there. So yeah. Yeah. your life totally. is politics. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I think one joke that wasn't on the recording sure. but that you told last year at, a, mm -hmm. at the showcase was you have this joke where you say which I totally relate to <laughs> and also we both speak Spanish but like mm -hmm. people always come up to us and, and just speak Spanish to yeah. us and I was thinking a little bit that that could be not sure this is a, a theory without a lot <laughs> sure. of faces but that it might have something to do with the fact that like we're kind of erased as like a racial category and so there's this mm. oh this kind of like what is this brownness like oh mm. must be mm. hispanic and latino because mm. that is like an established category mm. at this point mm -hmm. and also if you wanted to tell a little bit of that joke or go into it a little bit it's quite funny i uh warning i don't actually remember all the jokes i tell on stage because a lot of it Ooh. is like i have a premise and then i'll just mm. go share it mm -hmm. so i don't actually remember mm -hmm. the exact wording mm -hmm. the premise of the joke was um for me like w just generally where I get my material is through experience yeah. and observation. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of people thought think I'm Latino and I realize yeah. that I'm ethnically ambiguous and it doesn't help that I speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it adds to it. And so it's this thing. So I used, but there was this, I think a lot of people know in this room, uh, there was this very uh, racist person on campus last year. <laughs> and I tried to like go about like, I don't call this person out by name, but in my routine I said, I know a lot of you guys are like, why is there a Latino on stage at a Middle Eastern showcase? <laughs> no, I'm not Latino, puedo hablar español, like all that. And I was like, no, I'm not Latino. Uh, I'm Middle Eastern. And then like, I paused for a second. I was like, you know, I actually told that joke <laughs> uh, because I was hoping there's a racist here. Um, and like, I just say, I'm Latino. She's like, fuck. No, I'm just kidding. She's like, oh, thank God, I'm Middle Eastern. Shit! Like, she can't win. <laughs> like, she can't get away from it. So I was just hoping, yeah. but obviously she's not here. So like, I remember even that, like for me, that was a joke for myself, you know yeah, what I mean? Like exactly. towards that. Mm -hmm. So for me, I was like, I'm just gonna do it. And yeah. Yeah. So Aviv was there and like, she knew who I was talking about. Oh yeah. And a bunch of people <laughs> did, so, you know. Um, I do, like, we're white on paper. Mm -hmm. um, and I say, my white privilege is like a check I can't cash. Yo, yeah, that's our episode, episode title, baby. Wait, what? We're gonna name the episode oh, really? after your joke. Oh, no way, I had no idea. That's that's thank yeah. you uh, i guess <laughs> no but yeah it's true like yeah so w my favorite was mistaken for chinese but we won't go there uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. um, something i'm thinking about is the cathartic elements of humor and like like you were saying that like yeah like not everyone in the audience is going to understand these jokes and especially being at like a predominantly white institution but the fact that you like make these jokes like seems like it's you know for you and for your friends and like I think that there's some really cool stuff there. Um, Definitely. Um, I always, like in my club, I always say, 
if you're not having fun on stage or you're not telling mm -hmm. jokes that like you enjoy yourself, yeah. it'll come across and people may not laugh mm -hmm. and they may be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So you take a risk if you're gonna tell Sure. A, like a politically yeah, charged joke totally. if you're insecure right. it, exactly. about it's it gonna it's going to come across yeah, and people feel uncomfortable so you have to uh -huh. be comfortable with like yeah. I'm comfortable with being Middle Eastern right. uh, so yeah. it's similar to like an insecurity or whatever I'm not insecure about it mm -hmm. but it's something that like it's kind of there like you want to mm -hmm. talk about it it is yeah, cathartic exactly. uh, it's like a, a yeah. therapy session whenever I start writing I'm just like okay <laughs> oh, let me get this on my chest you need a certain level of confidence too to just yeah. Yeah. what's that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even a You're swagger really yeah. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you know oh thank you correct but for sure, like it does mm -hmm. come up. And I always say, especially Wesleyan, but yeah. Wesleyan gives me a lot of material. Yeah. You know, like exactly, all the time. Right. Like shit happens on campus mm -hmm. that a lot of people, like we talk about it in meetings and stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Asking if, are you Muhammad? I'm like, no, I look like one, but I'm not. <laughs> like, a professor asked me that. Oh my God. Yeah. So, <laughs> <Oof>. yeah. <laughs> another one, oh, another one. I was actually at your event in New Haven. Yeah. And uh, head of a department, I won't say which one, uh, <laughs> but she turned to me and it's like, oh, are you a refugee as well? Oh. Uh, oh, my God. oh my God! And I said no, I'm just friends with her. She's like, ah, and then the event started, and I, I don't even know <laughs> oh if she was embarrassed, but I, I was like, more material. <laughs> like to me, that's how I see it. All right. That's you know what that reminds me of actually. This lady that I work with, she's like a department head. I've been working there since the middle of July. It's now mm -hmm. um, October. Right. She's been calling me Alden this whole time. Oh, we what? dropped a lot of letters in this one. Yeah, no, I, just, I just remembered this one. And the other day, I swear to God, she finally sends me a message and goes, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I just realized your name is an Alden. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, oh, it's great, you know? You dropped the rest of the alphabet, but it's fine. Because yeah. <laughs> like, at work, I right. just go by Abdel. Oh, you know, okay. Abdel. That's my third persona, by the way. Uh, <laughs> you guys talk about names? So, yeah. Yeah. You guys names. have my names? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, so we're talking about like the duality oh, of like yeah. Abdur Wait, You should like, talk yeah. about your... Yeah. Oh, I want to hear you. I just was like, uh, because like I've had multiple people, I actually just had this conversation yesterday, uh, but I've had multiple people talk about me, which first of all, why? Uh, but they're like <laughs> with their friends and like talking. And then, oh, my friend Dafir, like one of my friends mm -hmm. was taking Arabic. Right. And she was talking to someone else about me. She's like, oh, my friend Dafir. She's like, who? But we're taking Arabic together. Uh -huh. We live on the She's like, oh, okay. So I don't think I know him. And then she's like, oh, I'll show you his face with him. She turned face with him. You mean the fear? I know the fear. Like they were talking, it was like they yeah. were talking about two yeah. separate people. It's like Sultan, Sultan. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like yeah. you're in this class. class. It's like Hannah Montana, Miley Cyrus. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I pull yeah. up my <laughs> blonde wig all the time. So, uh, <laughs> I but, knew you look different today. <laughs> I don't have the best of both worlds. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so... Um, oh, I but, wish uh, the people, the listeners could see these facial expressions. Oh yeah, a lot, of my, so a lot of my material does have to do with like pauses and like, yeah. what? Yeah. What'd you say? Yeah. Awesome head tilts. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine it. Yeah. We've got one more short guest coming on who did a monologue at the same show that your mm. stand-up was from. Um, Uh, hello! I wrote this poem when I was here at Wesleyan after being asked about 500,000 times, do you just consider yourself a woman of color? And um, according to my skin tone, maybe not. Uh, it's a little bit, it's a, it's a thing that I've been uh, kind of thinking about and kind of considering. So this is called I Am Beauty. As I walked to my grandmother while wearing a hijab on my head, while donning a scandalously normal length dress to my knees, 
She looks at me with her aged eyes and says, you look Muslim on top and American on bottom. And I never gave this statement much thought until I found myself surrounded by a sea of different shades of brown, each alluding to better fasts and prayers than I have ever managed. And I felt the inclination to defend my pale skin and prove to the same people who told me I was more desirable because I was white, that I was still one of them. That just because my genetic code made me look astonishingly European or God forbid Armenian or Greek, that I was still part of the Middle Eastern ethnicity. One ethnicity that the U.S. Census still somehow considers white. Apparently, and more ironically enough, they don't want to separate us until it's time to discriminate us from the rest of Europe. And so here I am, white subdivision Middle Eastern, and I walk into my holier-than-thou Catholic school where I tried so hard to assimilate to the Catholic schoolgirl image because my mom had spent enough time and energy indoctrinating that assimilation into me when I was too young to understand what it was to be whitewashed by giving me a name that required little effort on the white man's part, and giving me lunch money to feast on the unsavory tater tots that constantly reminded me that my ethnic foods were not welcomed in a space where the tannest person was someone who had just gotten back from vacationing in Florida. And the funny thing is, no one questioned my so-called whiteness until they met my mom as if I turned from average New Yorker to immigrant foreigner, as the trails of my mother's thick but smooth accent trailed away, as she tried to string together a cohesive sentence in a tongue that was still foreign to her, as if I was any less human because, as if I was any less human because my parents hadn't had their roots established long enough to create intertwining webs that soon lost its respect for their origins. Our flowers may have just bursted, but it doesn't mean we're any less stronger. My ambiguity doesn't make me any less Turkish or any more American. My ambiguity doesn't give you the right to ask me what I am to screw you. Just because I don't fit the mold of white American doesn't mean I deserve to be treated as anything but a living, breathing human being. And my ambiguity exists at the end of the day because your faces, when I speak the incomprehensible words of Turkish, serves as a reminder that you can't make fun of every single foreign language. And above all, my ambiguity is my own purgatory, constantly placing me in between Lisa and Melissa, and I wouldn't have it any other way. A one, a two, a one, two, three, four. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Unwind the Line. This podcast is produced by me, Ali Fam. Our technical support comes from the one and only Red Feather Studios. Big, big thanks to Ben Saldich. Music in this podcast was produced by Nora Saida Harzala. And our theme song was produced by Isaac Price Slade. And if you enjoyed either of their musical performances on this episode, then you can find more information and more of their music um, on some links on our website. If you like our podcast, honestly, it would be bomb if you could write us a review on iTunes. Uh-huh. If you have something to say to us, say it to our email. Unwindthelinepodcast at gmail.com Check out our website if you're bored and want more episode information or if you want to buy some pretty sweet hand-printed tote bags. Unwindtheline.podbean.com 
If you're still listening at this point, when the episode is really over, you should... Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Oh yeah, baby. <laughs> Our Instagram handle <laughs> is... Unwind the Line. No, hey, uh...